firstly, thanks for coming. Let's, um, I'll, I'll kind of set some expectations and, and kind of a plan for the afternoon. What, we, what I'm doing today is I'm merging two workshops in one. So I have a workshop that I've done loads on MCing, and that workshop is pitched at people who have done comedy for a while, let's say one or two years, and they, they're of the mindset where, oh, starting my own night would be a great place to get stage time, right? And it was kind of pitched at that level of comedian, which is looking to learn the craft of emceeing and kind of, and also people that have done comedy for two or three years are looking to get some paid work and are using emceeing as a way to get paid work faster than doing spots, which is a very good strategy. So that's kind of one workshop and that normally takes about three hours. And then I've got another workshop, which I've only done two or three times. So I'm still finding my feet with it. Um, and that's on creativity and spontaneity. That workshop is pitched for people with a little bit more experience, maybe five years or so, who have got their set, they've got their 20 or their 40, maybe even working towards their hour, and are looking to, um, to build a more spontaneous practice. That is to say, they go to a city and they don't just recite their jokes. Um, so what we'll do is we will, um, you know, I'll do both workshops, but what I, what I plan to do, because I've never done both together, we might kind of borrow from each, you know, from each other. Um, what would be very helpful is if you can kind of just set a couple of expectations from my side as well. So is there anything that you're really excited about potentially covering today or anything which, if we didn't cover, you'd be annoyed? The crowd work. Crowd work. Before, yeah. Okay, fine. Well, we'll, we'll we're definitely going to look at crowd work. Um, do you mean crowd work from an MC perspective or an act perspective? Okay, well, yeah, well, we, we, we will end up looking at both. We'll probably do it a little bit more from the MC perspective um, today. But yeah, we'll definitely be looking at crowd work. Anything else? More specific crowd work in an act. Yeah. But then trying to weave it back into our material. Exactly, yeah, yeah. And yeah, so we'll definitely look at strategies on how you can ground yourself in your material, uh, be flexible and free with it, and then come back. That's going to be the second half. That's the creativity side of things. Yep. Yeah. Great. Okay. Well, ho hopefully by the end of the second workshop, you'll realise that your patter is only ever going to rely on three audience members. So if you have three new audience members um, each show, then then you, you should have enough inspiration. Good. We'll definitely look at that. <coughs> cool. All right. So what I reckon we'll do then. So the the MC workshop has notes. The creativity workshop doesn't yet because I'm still. Trying, you know, still kind of finding my feet with it. But what I'll do is I will send you the notes after the workshop based on, on, on what you've said. So grab one of these. Um, this, is, this, is, um, this is what we're going to go through over the next three hours. Um, thanks very much to Rachel's husband for getting this printed. The, re um, the, the, reason, I've given you, the reason I've given you these notes is because I don't really want you to be taking too many notes. What I normally do for this workshop, and, I'm, and if you're up for it, we do the same, is you, I want you to jot down a maximum of, of three really strong takeaways. So what, what I mean by that is I might say something which will like ignite a little like, oh my God, I've been doing that. Or, oh, I remember seeing someone do that, right? I want you to jot those down with maybe an example or maybe something for you to think about later. And we're going to compile them all into a Google Doc. So it's like you as a collective will have one kind of shared, um, shared takeaway from, from, from that. Everything of kind of value, I think, is is in these bullet points. So I don't want you to be taking granular notes. I don't really see the point of that. Also, I don't want this to be a lecture. Everyone here, I'm presuming, has done enough comedy that you're going to be able to take what I'm saying and start thinking, oh my god, I remember doing that on a show. Or I remember seeing that. So I want this to be far more about 
me maybe just provoking thought about your practice rather than me being a didact, right? Like this definitely isn't a prescriptive or normative workshop because I don't think, I, well, I personally don't think you can teach comedy. I really don't think that. All I think you can do is you can avoid people, um, you, you can prevent people from making mistakes, right? Like I can't, I definitely can't teach you to be funny or charismatic or your true self, but I can uh, help you um, avoid common mistakes and kind of speed things up. I think that's definitely possible. So um, let's get started. For those that don't know who I am, my name's Ollie. Um, I've done comedy for 10 years now. Um, my, um, I I'm very interested in emceeing. I, I do probably half of my work in the UK as emceeing. I emcee uh, a lot of the big clubs um, and I'm a regular emcee at Top Secret, which is um, uh, I think London's best comedy club. Very, very vibrant atmosphere. And we're kind of encouraged there to just run no material at all. You know, the, the whole point is you, do 20 minutes at the top, purely based on on on, um, on who's in. Um, but also, I do, you know, I MC corporate events too. I do, I just do lots of hosting. Um, and I I started to get paid work as an MC um, far more regularly than paid work doing 20s as an opening or a closer. And I think it's a really good shortcut if, you, if you're an act who um, has got confidence, is starting to develop a persona. So that's what this workshop's about. Um, as I said, normally this takes at least three hours. I'm going to try and get through this in two with a break, which means that there's probably going to be a little less time for this workshop of us hit heading on mic and kind of doing stuff. We're saving all that for the second workshop. Does that make sense? Cool. Right. So um, what is an MC? Does anyone want to, to hazard a guess? You know, how would you describe what an MC is to someone that doesn't do comedy? Okay, well, well I'm going I'm to take issue with that because I'm very good. Um, uh, but what makes you say that? No, it's just like a running gag here, like at a lot of the, the, the MC will then ask it, but yeah, in my point of view, the MC is there to keep the show running, yeah. build up the crowd, yeah. uh, not be funnier than the main acts, necessarily, yeah. except for you, you can be funny. But, is it, but isn't it interesting that you say that like, you know, not a good comedian, because I think that's one of the things which I, I kind of want you to take from this, that the job of an MC is not necessarily to be funny. Right, like being funny should be a side effect of, of everything else that you're doing. Um, and, and, and something which we will talk about is when an MC, and I, you see this a lot with, with less experienced MCs, when they think their job is to talk to someone and then make a joke, right, to improvise a joke. And as we know, joke writing is really hard, right? Joke writing is hard enough as it is, even harder when you've not got the time to refine it and to think about it and whatever, right? So... Once you persuade an audience that that is your job to make jokes up on the fly, you're setting your own terms for failure. So what you're doing is you're saying, hey, what's your name? Where are you from? You make a quip and the quip fails, right? That is worse than the audience never thinking that you're trying to be funny in the first place. And then if you are funny, it's a happy side effect, right? And what you're looking to do as an MC is to reassure the audience they're about to have a good time, right? Particularly in a scene like this where new venues are popping up, you've got a very inexperienced comedy audience, they might presume that the show's going to be dog shit, right? There's, there's, lo there's loads of things that we're working against. The MC is, is there to give them confidence. And if the first thing they're seeing is someone either stubbornly attempting their own material, which is not landing, or attempting jokes on the fly, and then and the further those jokes not working, like bloodbath. Right? How, how, how are the acts ever going to um, achieve? So, although what you said was a joke, I do think it's a good point that, like, you just don't have to be funny. And there's a couple of MCs I can think of who are not acts. You know, like, there's, there's a, couple of, um, a couple of promoters that I work for who they only MC, and they're not that funny, but they're great at it. Yeah. Because they 
desperately care about the quality of the audience's night out, right? They, they're the biggest stakeholder in the show. So let's talk about that. So we're now looking at this first, these first six bullet points. The MC sets the brand of a comedy club, right? And this is something which I really want you to think about, right? What is a brand, right? A brand is a proxy for a set of values, okay? So if you think about that in your normal life, the reason that Rolex does adverts about what a Rolex owner is or looks like is because wearing a Rolex is supposed to, this isn't a Rolex. Um, wearing, <laughs> you're like, he's got a Rolex, cool guy. Um, uh, wearing a fossil watch, um, but wearing a Rolex communicates a certain set of values, right? Like so, someone that has a MacBook is communicating a different set of values to someone that's got a, um, a, a Windows machine, right? That's what a brand is. A brand is a, um, is, a, is a proxy for a certain quality or a certain set of qualities, right? So every comedy club has a brand too. And this is really, really important, either when you're um, emceeing your own comedy club, working out what your comedy club's brand is, and by brand I do mean set of values, right? Um, or, even more crucially, when you start working as MCs for other clubs, right? So if I'm a guest MC for a club, where possible I'll always try and either watch the show, get a sense of the space, or speak to the other acts that, that have done it before. Because a comedy club, you know, particularly like in your scene where there's lots of pop-ups, welcome. Go through. Come and grab a seat. Uh, take one of these. We've, 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 barely, we've barely come past the first bullet point. Um, so think of a comedy club. Think, think of a comedy club as a set of values. Think of a comedy club as this is the style of night out we want to create. This is the product we want to create. Some comedy clubs, like Top Secret in London, very, very youthful, very rough and ready. You know, you get away with all sorts, right? Then you might have the Poodle Club in London, which is a very different part of London, attracts a very different crowd, non-tourist crowd, a little bit more conservative in how they, in how they do things. Um, and they have a certain politics as well, right? They're female run, lots of female acts. So every club will have its own set of, you know, there's a reason why a club um, is what it is, right? And so as an MC, you need to represent that. And that might mean that you, um, you're more provocative, it might mean that you're more rude, it might mean you're more welcoming, it might mean you're more gentle. Certainly, if I'm emceeing Rachel's show at 3 p.m. on a Sunday, I'm bringing a very different energy than if I'm doing a late night show at 11 p.m. You know, in the centre of London, right? And that, that's that's because the job of an MC is to set the tone of that night, right? Does that make sense? And so, is it important for the MC to be likable? Um, I don't necessarily think so, but I think it's very helpful, right? Um, and and I, actually, this this brings us on to the second point, right? Think that the best heuristic I've got for an MC, and if you want to kind of have one little kind of takeaway of like, before you walk on stage, what should you be feeling? Imagine yourself as the host of a dinner party, right? And ideally, as the host of a dinner party, you want to be likable. You don't have to be, but it's helpful, right? And by that, I mean, if you're hosting a dinner party, you've got a bunch of friends that are coming over, right? One friend from university, one friend from work, your, you know, your girlfriend, and then one of her friends, right? These are all strangers that don't know each other and you need to make them all feel safe and comfortable and excited about the night, right? Um, what that means is when you're greeting them at the door, you might approach each of these people differently, right? One of them you might give a hug to, one of them you might kiss on the cheek. You're taking a very tailored approach with each of these people. Then you're bringing them all together and you go, oh, didn't you um, study in Los Angeles? Oh yeah, I think you used to live there. And then you start to form connections. And what you're doing is you're galvanizing. You're taking a whole bunch of disparate strangers who know nothing about each other and you're making them feel as one, right? And so that, that, I think that analogy is very helpful to think about your job as a, um, as a comedy club host, right? What you're doing is you're taking a whole group of people who might not have anything in common and you are making them feel uh, comfortable and at home on their own terms, right? So um, 
your job as an MC is is to is to kind of to, to be the ally of the audience, right? That is to say, they're coming into an unusual space. You're all comedy fans and comedians, right? So you feel really very excited and at home in a comedy club, right? Most of our audience will only be going to a comedy club once a year at best, right? So it is a slightly like oh, you know, there's a, it's just an unusual environment, right? And so you need to, um, you know, to respect the fact that they might not know the rules, right? They might not know what's going on. And then just like a dinner party, right? If you think about the, the conversations you'd have as you're taking their coat compared to the conversations you might have over a glass of port and the dessert, very, very different vibe, right? Like you wouldn't start by straight away talking about politics, straight away talking about, you know, all the bad stuff. But once you've got to know each other and once you've built a relationship and a, and a, and, you know, and a likability, right? Once they trust you, and of course you start talking about these other topics, right? So that's, I think that's another, another nice way of kind of grounding your energy when you walk on stage as an MC, right? You know, you, you, it's just not helpful to kind of be, be, be brutal um, and provocative early on um, when you haven't earned that trust. But then later in the night, you know, absolutely you know, go to town if that's what the, the brand of the comedy club wants. Um, and something else you said about the, the role of an MC is, uh, is true, that basically your job is there to set the acts up for success. I mean, if you had to kind of pick a, a KPI, if you had to pick a benchmark for a good MC, um, it, it is that the acts have done well, right? I, th I think that, that's basically it, right? You know, if, if the acts are coming on stage to a room that is galvanized, facing the right direction, not shouting out, phones off, and if you, and if you kind of backwards reason from that, right, what is, what is a successful MC? Well, it's, it's someone who has made a room full of uh, strangers sit the same way, settle down, and enjoy the acts, right? None of that requires you to be funny, right? And, and I think that's really, really important to remember, right? Being funny is great, right? Um, and certainly what we're gonna do in this second workshop where, I'm, where we're gonna talk about kind of creativity and spontaneity and this idea of you not presenting your jokes but your jokes presenting you, right? Certainly it's better if you just have this funny, likable, nice persona. Um, but generally speaking, that is secondary to um, to, to, to like the basics um, and, and the basics is get them facing the same way, get them comfortable and crucially represent the club's values. Does anyone else think I've missed anything about what MC does? I think you got like the whole thing about uniting the crowd in, in, like, in all MC workshops, but I also got like linking people. So um, like the one time I had a, a Brazilian guy sit next to a guy from Mozambique. Yeah. And then luckily I knew both of them speak Portuguese. Mm. So then, I don't have to be funny, I just have to be, oh, you guys can speak Portuguese to each other. And just linking them, it gives them a bit more feeling. Absolutely. And it also, what that does is that betrays the audience, that you're kind of curious about your audience, and you're kind of an advocate for the quality of their night out, right? Like, people don't go to comedy for the comedy, right? It's, it's their night out. And so all, all we're doing is really in service of, like, their night out. Yeah. And when we think about what our competition is as comedians. It's not other com comedians, it's not other comedy clubs, it's just other nights out. It's just other things to do with 30 euros and a, and a Thursday off, right? Like it could be bowling, it could be a restaurant. Um, and so the MC kind of communicating that you've made a great choice, right? Like this is gonna be a great night and, 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 and kind of de-risking that um, is really important. I remember also um, in a group, only one person's bought the tickets and they've had to persuade three other people to come. Um, and uh, so often like, <laughs> often, you put them at ease by, um, by persuading their group that they've made the right decision. Uh, I've noticed that, just go for it, I would say. No, he doesn't want to make the least noise. Oh, well, <laughs> by, by doing that, you look suspicious. Um, <laughs> the least noise, but the most concern. Um, 
So let's run, let's run through. I know this isn't applicable to everyone, but I think it's worth doing because even if you're not interested in show running, it's nice to know. I think it's helpful to know as a professional MC the basics of show running and why this stuff matters, right? And particularly, I've done loads of gigs, particularly in the UK, where you just get booked to the arse end of nowhere, to some village hall that's putting on a show. And I do, I, I think that my duty as a booked MC is to be the advocate for the show, right? And so we're going to talk through a couple of kind of production points. Um, and I don't think this is overreach, right? Like, I do genuinely think if the chairs are wrong, and that's going to make the show bad. Then it's it's your job as the ad, it's your job as the MC who is the advocate of the acts to um to deal with that. So the basics: play music before you arrive on stage. Loud music for the final track. They talk louder, so they laugh louder. So I'm just going through the bullet points from the basics, right? Um, music just again kind of speaks that this is a night out, right? You know, it's just, it's just about it's about setting the vibe. Likewise, the choice of track is normally relevant to the brand of the comedy club, right? So. Don't play heavy metal at 3 p.m. on a Sunday, um, unless, oh, should we try it? It might be fun. Um, and then when you walk on stage, you want to walk on with absolute undeniable confidence, right? I don't mean kind of, I don't mean that you need to be cocksure or cocky. What I mean is the audience are absolutely open to the idea it could be crap. They're open to the idea it could be wonderful. And they're gathering intel, right? Just like you're gathering intel as an MC, they're working out how they're supposed to be behaving, what they're supposed to be doing. And as soon as you are visible as an MC, and if you're an MC showrunner who's greeting people, that's very helpful, right? You're, you're already in character, you're already setting the tone. Um, but basically, your job is to be totally persuasive this is gonna be a great show, right? And again, this doesn't mean you need to be funny, it means you need to be persuasive that it's gonna be a great show. Because the more you persuade an audience that it's going to be great, they will start believing you. And I see this time and time again that MCs do talk about the bad stuff about the show, right? You know, they talk about there's a problem with the room or, you know, or not many people have turned up or why did you even bother? And it's, it's just so cringeworthy. I get it. I, like, you can feel those feelings, right? Because you're a stakeholder in your, in your own business. Um, I mean, even if I'm, if I'm closing a show, if I am going to talk a little bit of shit about the venue, I'll do it just as a very, very light touch thing, but still nevertheless remind them that they're about to have a, you know, they're, 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 they're about to continue a great show. I think it's, um, yeah, generally it's a, it's, um, it happens far more than it should. Um, but the point is when you walk on stage, you're going to act um, like it's a great show. And that means your vibe needs to be friendly, happy, positive, relatable, right? As what that means, the corollary of that is don't do it in character. Generally characters are very, very difficult um, to, to MC in because a character is necessarily delineating the boundaries of, of the range of emotions that you can talk about, right? So um, there's only very, very few characters that work. I've seen Marcel Leconte, the French character, do it, but only because he's just an incredibly experienced actor that even, even within his constraints of being a, an absolute dickhead French man, he can, like, he, he can, he can make any room work. Uh, and I've seen, him, I've seen him do that. But generally speaking... But generally, even if you're, my point is, even if your act is negative or acerbic or rude or dark, park that, right? You're an MC now and I really want this, I want this workshop, um, I want one of the things that you take from this workshop to think about your MC practice as its own unique practice, right? And I'm sure you've all spent a lot of time thinking about your act and that's all very helpful. But think about your MC practice as a completely separate stand, strand uh, of your professional output, okay? Um, and your MC persona, at least, needs to be happy, friendly, positive, 
genuinely curious and like I said at the beginning, an advocate for the quality of that audience's night out. Okay. Um, so uh, what I often, what we will do is that we are going to have a practice later on of walking up to the mic, taking the mic out of the stand and greeting people. And I promise you every single person, no matter how experienced you are, is going to make some small mistake, right? I'm going to put, and we're going to, we won't do it normally in this workshop. I'll do it now. I'd rather just plow through the material so we have more time for the creativity workshop at the end. But um, normally at this point of the workshop, I will encourage everybody to try that, to walk on stage, to take a deep breath, to smile and to welcome people to the show. And it's remarkable how that is the only thing as an MC you can practice. Everything else is totally down to the audience, right? But even that, people manage to fuck up. Um, so we will, so we will, um, we, we, we'll, we'll do that exercise in a bit. Remind me if I don't. In fact, I'll put that. I'll put that on the. Uh, I have to make you special. Of, of the thing. Uh, so, um, gree, greeting start. Um, okay, so, um, generally speaking, you cannot plan what you do as an MC, right? You necessarily are responsive. Whatever analogy works for you, take this down. Whether you think that you're an, an orchestral conductor playing an instrument, right, and the, and the audience being your instrument, whether you think that you're like a school teacher that's like uh, dealing with a bunch of kids, whether you think that you're a sheep farmer, whatever it is you're doing, like it ha you are responding to the crowd, right? Um, there's very, very little you can prepare, but you can always prepare the start, right? Gen unless something happens, unless you know, trip as you walk up on, on stage or something, or the sound doesn't work. Um, which it shouldn't because you should have checked all that. Um, um, but um, generally speaking, the very, very first thing I think you should do, and this isn't necessarily being normative, you might have your own way of doing it, but I think the very first thing you should do is galvanize the room, right? Remember our job is to make the audience feel as one. My advice and what I do is I'll walk on stage with confidence. Remember that my, um, my performance starts before I get on stage. So if, if it's the kind of club where you're milling about with the audience, you're on. You know, it's, it just looks awful to just be texting on a phone and looking boring. Likewise, if you're in a bigger room and there's a long walk to the stage where we through the audience, you start smiling and waving on the walk up rather than, you know, shuffling to the audience, shuffling onto the stage. Um, and galvanize the room. Galvanize the room in a way that works for you, right? And by, gal by galvanize the room, I mean make the audience feel as one. Um, We'll talk about good and bad prompts in the creativity workshop, um, but to kind of jump to the conclusion, my advice is to get them to make some noise or clap or do something. What you shouldn't do is ask them a question, right? Because asking them a question requires a little bit of energy on their part, um, and it also gives them the option of, of not responding as you want them to, right? So all, you'll, all, you'll, all you ever want them to do um, is to be compliant, right? And the way to make someone be compliant it's like a very, very, very simple instruction with a very obvious cue, right? Stamp your feet, raise your hand, clap your hands, make some noise, right? Not, um, who, who, who's excited for the comedy? Like, how do you actually respond to that? Like, you know, think about these questions that you're asking the audience. How are, you, how are they actually supposed to respond to that? Um, and, and often people just do this as some form of like, you know, muscle memory. Um, Terrible. By the way, same for your acts as well. We'll talk about this in the second workshop, but for Christ's sake, stop asking people questions. Um, so, you know, I've given this example, who's up for a great night of comedy this evening? That's a, that's a fairly easy one to respond to, right? Who's up for a great night of comedy this evening? That's, you know, you can, 
at, at least that at least you can see that working right um give me a cheer if you're excited to see sarah pasco tonight right Ooh. with a very very clear um so the point is um do something that galvanizes them right and i'm kind of jumping to conclusions here but in the second workshop that process alone might generate some intel to do some crowd work with right because the audience will be self-selecting and we will talk about that later um if you are inexperienced it's i think it's absolutely fine to start with some material i really do believe it. i know some people are kind of mc purists and say that you're wrong to use material i don't think that's true i think if you if you don't have the skill set because basically right improvised comedy is just joke writing at speed right and if you haven't learned how to do joke writing yet then how can you possibly expect to do it at speed in a high pressure environment right so give yourself time to learn how to be a joke writer and that takes ages and ages and ages because it's like a you know it's like a like a muscle right so don't be hard on yourself like don't try and do something that you can't already do with the benefit of a piece of paper and, and, and a sunday afternoon right so it's fine to do pre-prepared material but i think it's really important what kind of material you do so let's talk about that um the best jokes are about the parking steve martin said that what do you think he means by that Yeah, exactly. So it's like, like your observations. yeah. So basically, what is it that every single person in the room can relate to, right? What is it? What is? It's all very well to start. You know, I've got some. I've got some brilliant jokes about buying a smart TV, right? Fine. There's a there's a higher chance that a joke about the parking, or a joke about the venue, or a joke about the town that you're in, or a joke about the station that everyone's travelled from, um, is going to hit harder, right? It might not be funny. It might not be the funniest material you can do. But remember, that's not what we're optimizing for. We're not optimizing to be funny. We're optimizing to galvanize, right? So a joke. So, you know, I, I put on here, um, I always wondered what it would be like to perform inside of a mirror ball, right? As an example of what happens if the venue has loads of mirrors, right? It's not that funny, but, you, but it definitely grounds you in the room, right? It definitely makes the audience realize, you, you know, you're here, they're here, and this is a special event that's happening. Um, so think very, very hard. Um, about what you might talk about. And I do think that part of your job as an MC is to start gathering intel before the show starts. So that, in, that involves things like talking to the booker and finding out how much they paid for a ticket. Um, in fact, all of this stuff I've, I've put on the top right-hand corner of the, um, of, the, um, of the sheet. Are these regular punters? How much have they paid? Do they know the acts? Are there any elephants in the room? Gather intel pre-show. Then also when you're backstage or watching the show from the wing, watching the audience coming from the wings, how are people sitting? Right? Are there people that are very, very keen to sit at the front? Are there people that have been put at the front reluctantly? Um, and then also, has there been a commotion at the bar? Have they run out of crisps? You know, something that's happening in that room is a great thing to talk about, right? Um, I've put this in the notes and I really want you to internalize this. The hallmark of a hopeless MC is stubbornly running bits, right? I mean, it's, it, I mean just if, if, you, if you can, um, you know, hopefully you're going to take more from this workshop than this, but if you can just stop running bits, that would be great, right? That is not what an, an MC is not 10 at the top, right? This is mad, right? Um, the job of an MC is to galvanize the room, right? I can't, can't repeat this enough. And you can galvanize the room by doing lots of things, um, but telling your jokes typically will not galvanize the room, right? So it's, 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 it's tending to the opposite of success. Um, you, um, you're not doing a spot, you're MC, 
right? And emceeing means, um, like a dinner party host, being genuinely curious about the people that are in front of you and being an advocate for the success of the night, right? And being an advocate for the success of the night generally means finding out about the audience, right? And that's, that's what MC crowd work is, right? It's not using the audience as some means to an end of like finding out where are you from, Alaska, and then me doing my Alaska stuff. That's, that's not it, right? What it is is Alaska, fascinating, tell me more, right? I'm so glad that you're at my show, not, not you. So, I'm, I'm um, but do you see my point, right? So what, once we start to kind of understand what our role as an MC is, then we can start, then the questions that we start asking the crowd tend to become more clear, right? You know, we're, we're, we're not asking, we're not asking who's single so you can talk about your heartbreak, right? We're asking who's single because maybe there's just a bunch of singles and it's a fun night out, right? You know, that, that's why we're asking who's single, not as, as some means of, of, of leveraging. And I, man, I see it all the time, I, I, like in open spots. You know, who's seen Game of Thrones? Um, in, in fact, I've, I've, just, I've just done some gigs with an act who's brilliant. I won't say who she is, but she's absolutely fantastic in so many ways. But one of the things that absolutely obliterates her professionalism is to say, have you seen this? And then just does jokes about it, irrespective of whether they have or they haven't. Like, why ask? Like, genuinely, why ask? You're asking as a way of, like, buying a bit of energy, buying a bit of buy-in. And if you were killing it, and if you were getting strong laughs before that, you wouldn't feel the need to ask the question. Right? Um, so, once you've generated a little bit of confidence, right, which is really why you're doing your material, because that's kind of the, the, the bankers, the material needs to be about the room or ideally about yourself or the city that you're in, right? So, you know, occasionally if, I'm, if I am emceeing and I want to run material, I'll do the stuff about being British. I'll do the stuff about being tall. I'll, you, know, whatever the, you know, whatever the kind of very, very simple, inalienable, inalienable characteristics I have, um, th those are the jokes I'll do. I definitely won't go into anything um, too involved. Definitely won't tell a story, Jesus Christ. Um, because the whole point is you're kind of generating this, this cadence of call and response, right? Ultimately, you want to get the audience such that they are attuned and excited about listening to jokes and responding with laughter. And knowing that laughter comes in all sorts of different guises, right? You know, you have laughter of recognition, you have laughter of shock. There's all kinds of ways in which you can generate a laugh. If you're the kind of act that is generating laughs by doing... Um, slightly shocking things or being degrading or you're getting a laugh from a slightly uglier place, learn that that has no place in your MC practice, right? Arguably, it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be in your set. Um, you'll graduate from that eventually. But if but the, the laughs you want to generate are the joyous type of laughs, right? The, the laughs of, of celebration um, and recognition rather than the, you know, the, the laughs of awkwardness or the, um, uh, oh, so he's from Russian. Ooh, that's ridiculous. Um, so um, let's go into your question of kind of going in and out of your material, right? So hopefully by now you've understood that we're not using the audience as a means to an end. We're not leveraging the audience by going, oh, they've got a dog. Well, I've got a fantastic routine about cats and dogs. No good. If you do have some lines from that routine, right, that's when you start weaving it in, right? So let's say you're talking to someone um, about their pet dog, right? And you have a little line or a little section from your routine that you can weave in, do it, right? That's exactly the time to do it. What you shouldn't do is, is kind of pull back, do the routine, then go back to them, right? 
if you're doing a set, that's exactly what you should be doing. Yeah. And in the second, yeah. So in the second workshop, we're going to talk about this idea of leveraging the audience to kind of pull back, sp spin stories, and go back. But if you're just talking about your pre-written jokes. Don't do full routines, but borrow lines. That's my advice. Borrow lines, borrow quips, borrow turns of phrases, right? And you might get very, very lucky. You know, you might speak to someone um, who has got a, um, you know, well, two things will happen. One, you'll just MC enough that you'll improvise stuff and you'll remember it for next time, right? What do you do? I work in oil and gas. Oh, that's great. He's a chef, <laughs> right? So, like, so that, you know, that kind of thing, you just, you just build your Rolodex, right? Um, that kind of thing, you might end up, those lines, those little quips, you might be borrowing from your, from your material. Um, but certainly as an MC, you're not gonna be launching into routines. Jokes, not routines. So, um, like with that, so say you're busy with the MC and um, like I have this one-liner about um, vegans, right? Yeah. Um, so then, is it okay if I ask like, okay, are, do, are there any vegans or anything like that? And then if they have it, then I prompt like, if two vegans fight, is it still called a beef? Uh, uh, no, uh, uh, the reason I'm going to say no, the reason I'm going to say no is that is using the audience as a means to that end. Okay. You're only asking them so you can deliver that line. Okay. That if there happens to be a vegan. Hundred percent. That's exactly my point. And the audience really senses this, yeah. right? The audience will really understand that you've asked that question with the hope of delivering that line, and it's way less satisfying. Yeah. You'll look far cleverer if you stumble across, you know. Yeah, 100%, or, or it will come up somehow, yeah. right? Um, and you should be really proud that you've got that joke in your back pocket. But what you absolutely shouldn't do as an MC is to just ask questions with the hope of, yeah. of, of, of you know, like, a, like some kind of advent calendar where you're just number 12, open the door, there's my joke, and move on, right? Yeah. That's, that's sincerely hopeless, and it does create the wrong energy. Yeah, yes? Yeah, great. Cause exactly, because that because what you're doing is you're being a bit playful, right? Like you you and you you know you're you're responding to your mood and energy of that moment, right? Maybe if you were in a bad mood, you wouldn't have responded like that, right? Like I, I remember I made the when I, when I was in um, Graz last week, um, I I was going to buy a coffee and I and I was with the promoter and I was like, oh, do you want do you want anything? And he like ordered something really expensive, right? And I was, so I was paying for it. And then, so she told me the total bill and it was like eight euros. All I had to do was get an Americano for two, right? And she went, that'll be eight euros 30. And I said, love that for me, right? And like, just me kind of articulating, oh, I'm paying way more than I was expecting. She found really funny, right? It's just really funny. She goes, love that for me, right? As I tap it, right? And that's, that's kind of that same, like very present, very in the moment, right? I could never engineer that. I, you know, I could never make someone laugh by saying, love that for me by constructing a bunch of blocks, right? And so I guess, I guess the, the energy that you want as an MC is your duty towards the audience, or, in, or indeed your raison d'etre, the reason that you're there is you're the advocate for the quality of their night out, right? You're there in order to make this show be great, right? And the reason that you're asking questions is in service of that. You're, like you're excited to get to know them. You want to know what kind of show they're, that they're into. And this is why I do think people that run their own shows are often the best MCs for their show because they are like, they're also thinking about their marketing funnel, right? They really want to know where have you come from? What are you looking for for a night out, right? And so that's why these people, they, 
But these people, they really mean it, right? Um, I, I, an exercise I'll often do with MCs is I'll get them to, to practice saying welcome to the show. And it's remarkable how people don't even, they don't even look like they mean what they're saying, <laughs> right? Welcome to the show. Welcome to the show, right? Like you're welcoming someone, right? You really think about what you're actually saying, right? You're welcoming them to a room. And so, so much, so much of bad MCing is people seeing what a good MC does, right? And then doing it without feeling it, right? And, and so that kind of goes back to, you know, you, the reason why you said I'm sweet as I am is because you were feeling good. Right, you know, they obviously were serving you with a smile. They weren't in a bad mood. If they were busy doing other things, you probably wouldn't say it because it would bother them. But you read the moment and it was authentic, right? And so that's why I keep wanting to kind of ground you back to this idea that you are there to galvanize a room of strangers in service of their night out, right? Everything then flows from that. Cool. Um, let's talk about launching into the crowd then. So often a crowd will be self-selecting. Often the first person you speak to might be self-selecting by virtue of that first thing you've done, the galvanizing thing. Um, if someone's really keen to be spoken to, they'll, they'll, you know, they'll, they'll make it known by whooping louder or cheering or whatever it is. Um, but if not, you can, you can find who's keen to be spoken to by asking general questions. So um, aside from the visual cues, right? Aside from literally looking out what body, who has the open body language, um, who is very engaged with the show, you know, there are some comedy fans that love being spoken to. Um, it's better if people volunteer themselves, right? You look like a very young crowd. Who here is a student, right? Students make some noise. Um, and then potentially, you know, you might get a, a, a really, a much bigger giggle from this side than, the, than this couple. It's like, oh, it's a nice big group here. How do you guys know? Are you on the same course? And what's happening, right, is we're asking serious questions to which you actually care about the answer. Right? You're not going, oh, I hope they say geography. Yes. Right? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? You're, being, you're, you're sincerely finding out. And like, you win if the audience falls in love with them. You win if the audience are like, oh, it's great they're here. They seem fun. That's enough. Right? The risk is you go, what do you, you know, what do you study? Uh, engineering? I haven't got anything on that. Do you know what I mean? Haven't you seen MCs do that? Yeah. 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 Disaster. I mean, total disaster. Because it's like, it's, it's, it, firstly, it's like admitting defeat on terms that you hadn't even, the audience didn't even think you were playing, mm. right? Like, the audience weren't aware that you were about to riff on, you know, like... So but whose expectation is that? I mean, is it your own expectation that if you say engineering, I should have a quiz or something? Well, I don't think you should. There's no need to, right? Oh, there's absolutely not, but a lot of MCs seem to think that they need that. And they seem to think they've failed if they haven't. And then they also feel the need to communicate that to their audience. Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, it's just layer after layer of like disaster. Whereas actually engineering, that's fascinating. What are you doing? Like building big things or small things? You know, like what, you know, <laughs> Joey, like, but, but whatever, you, whatever you ask from a, a, a place of serious curiosity, right? And you'll normally get something funny. I mean, you know, normally people are, you know, people are, people are in a good mood. They're drinking normally people will say something funny and if it's not funny it's interesting and that's absolutely enough right you what you absolutely don't need to do is to conclude every one of these interactions with a laugh in the second workshop we're doing today we're talking about improvising comedy right um and you know for what it's worth i do a lot of that now right basically all of my set last night 40 minutes was non-scripted right it was based on, on what i was talking about i will talk about how you can't really leave um, 
unresolved loops, right? If you're doing an improvised set or you're doing a big part of your set that's improvised, it's, it's not really enough to go, oh, that's very interesting. Thank you very much and moving on. <laughs> if that's what you need to do, there's ways of doing it and we'll talk about it. But generally you need to resolve loops with a laugh. And there's a couple of tricks I can teach you on how you can do that. But for MCing, because we're not having the expectation of generating a laugh necessarily, all we're doing is welcoming them, galvanizing them, being curious, that's fine. And also, you don't even need to feel the need to do what a lot of people do, which is go, oh, round of applause for these guys. Because, you know, people feel a bit eggy and awkward about the, the, the silence they've made. Let's give them a cheer for being here. Eh, no need. Right? Really no need. Um, it, it, our job is to galvanize the room. And if it's just we found out about them, they seem great. Thanks so much. Thanks so much for coming to the show. Right? It would be perfectly natural at a dinner party. <laughs> Imagine, imagine that. But, um, but I mean, that's why I think it's a really good heuristic, right? You would just say, "Oh, so you, you studied at Harvard? That's great. You, um, you're, you went, you went to a good university as well, didn't you? That's all you need to do. That's how you transition. You know, okay, we'll give it up for the for the Harvard graduate. No, nonsense. Um, and so, point three of this final bullet point in this section is: don't put pressure on yourself to be funny. Just chat to them. Don't even look like you're trying to make them laugh. Obviously, I've, I've said this a number of times now, but really, really ground yourself in this, in this kind of crowd work. Um, if you want to generate laughs, right, normally that comes from just asking more interesting questions, right? You know, just setting the parameters. I've given one example on, on your notes here. But generally speaking, asking a kind of a specific or silly question will normally generate a laugh. So maybe if you want to, if you want to delve into this a bit more, um, try and just be a little bit more childlike in your questioning, right? I, th I think that's probably the best advice I've got, I've got for this, right? Create a certain level of ignorance such that when they feel the lacuna in, in, in that gap, normally that's funny, right? So, um, you know, so you laughed when I said about the engineering thing, right? You know, do you make big things or small things? A five-year-old would ask that question, right? Then whatever they say is probably going to be funny or at least interesting or novel, right? So I think that's a that's a that's a a, a, a good way of um, you know be 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 curious like a five year old but ask questions on their level too. Um, and then additionally, the basics of an MC we've talked about you know galvanizing the crowd, but there's loads of other things you need to do. You need to set the expectations. So every club will have their house rules. That might mean that the bar's closed. It might mean the phones have to be off. It might mean the encourage pictures. Whatever it is, and that's absolutely fine to do that without undermining it with jokes. Right? Turn your phone off. Otherwise, I'll smash it. You won't. Right. So you know, just by, you know, have the confidence to just say the phones need to be off during the show. Right. Tell them, don't ask them. Not please turn your phone off. Please turn your phones off. Right. And there's ways of doing there's ways of, of doing that with 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 cadence um, where people will comply. If you're asking something a little bit more involved, like let's say it's absolutely crucial the phones are off. Um, you don't make jokes. You do it in stages. Can everyone who has a phone please just take it out of their pocket? And can everyone just make sure that it's fully off? And once it's off, please put it back in your pocket. Right? I've done that. When an act needs phones off for whatever reason, because they're doing a you know, preview that they can't possibly have recorded, you make them comply by just asking very, very clear instructions, um, which are easy to comply with. Right? Um, please don't film the show is um, unlikely to get the same results as. It's very important that this show is not filmed due to copyright reasons, so can I ask everyone who has got a recording device to quickly take it out of their pocket? Blah, blah, blah. Much higher success rate. Um, tell, don't ask. And then when you are bringing the acts on, um, 
just make sure that the room is ready. And by that I mean, if there's still a bit of commotion, you know, if there's still latecomers coming in, if there's, you know, still people who haven't quite taken their coats off or whatever, just make sure that all happens, right? Just make sure that the, the room is, is set up for success. And before you bring the axe on, you tell them they're a great crowd. There's a club, I think it's, um, I'm trying to remember which club it is, but there's a club which has a house rule that you've got to tell the audience they're great three times during, during your set, right? And it's like, it works. I mean, that's the, that, this is the magical thing, right? It really works. Telling the crowd they're a great crowd, um, telling them that it's going to be a great night really does work. Don't lie. Don't do what some MCs do, which I think is absolutely insane, where they go, you're such a weird crowd tonight. What an odd audience, you know, like as if they're somehow special. No, because um, they'll, they'll, they'll come back and they'll see that that's your trick. Instead, sincerely tell them, you look like a great bunch of people. I've got a really good feeling about tonight. You're a great crowd. We're going to have a fantastic time tonight. And mean it, ideally. Um, the other night, there was a, because in Eindhoven, we have a big company, ASML. And the other night, there was a crowd and we were like, okay, cool, um, who's from ASML? Because usually it's like 50%. Yeah, yeah. And there was only three. And I'm like, oh, this is an amazing crowd because it's only three people from this place. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think, well, good, right? Good instincts. But um, that's, my feeling is that's a little bit self-serving in that the rest of the crowd might not care about that as much as you care about yeah. it. Right? Like you as an act care about, oh, there's all these people from this one company. Oh, it feels like a corporate, right? But what you can do is be ready. What you could do is uh, explain that to the audience um, exactly as you've explained it to me. Yeah. Right? You Usually can, you can say, normally we, normally we have loads of people from one company. And I'll be honest, it's really hard work, mm. right? But, I've, but, you know, but, but for some reason, they're all busy and we've got you heroes here tonight. I think we're going to have a great time, right? Um, yeah, yeah, the typical question is how many Dutch in the room? Yeah. And then the non-Dutch are overpowering. Yeah. That's always a question and a quip. That yeah. So is that a good thing? Is that because again you're pitching and I mean most of the acts are also sort of kind of Dutch bashing. So then the minority of the Dutch yeah. ridicule the Dutch. They're sports. They they don't mind. Yeah, of course. But the thing is, this is always the, the tone of many shows. But what, what kind of show do you want to do? This is a decision that you can make. So we go into a show. We don't decide. No, no. If, no, 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 if you're emceeing a show, yeah. right, you I could... I wouldn't like to pitch, I mean, polarize the, the audience. You would or you, you wouldn't? I would not like to. So that's the, that's the, that's the answer to your question. That's what a lot of MCs kind of do. Do a better show than them. I mean, that, that is the answer to your question, right? You know, the, the brand and tone of a comedy club. If you want the comedy club to be welcoming to Dutch people, right, don't Dutch bash them straight away. Don't do that. You know, I, I, like, I really believe that, like, if you're saying we do that because it's a funny quip. It seems to be. I mean, I'm not an MC yet, but I've seen this happen. Sure. I mean, my view is they're optimizing for that cheap, easy quip, mm. right? Rather than doing what they are, which is to the job of an MC is to galvanize the room, right? So does, does dividing the room early on galvanize the room? Arguably not. I mean, maybe it works. You know, may maybe it's a good thing, but I, I just think when you're emceeing, you, you're totally in control of the tone that you set, right? And why not be subversive and, and, and welcome Dutch people? Look, obviously, we all do the tricks, right? Obviously, there's some Germans and you have to explain that it's a comedy club, blah, blah, blah. Like, fine, do it. If, you know, if, if it really feels right, but it's got to feel right in the context of that dinner party, right? Like, if those Germans are going, oh, what are they doing that for? Then why? But if they're, if they're up for it, 
right? And they're sat and they're still having a great time and they're two, two wines in, then do it, right? It, it's, it's, it's absolutely about, about, about tone, right? Um, but yeah, if people are doing it because, oh, you know, the Dutch have reserved. <laughs> hundred percent. But but this is why this is why like I, I want to ground this workshop in you as professional MCs, right? Because you will get more work for a club that makes more money from you, and a club will make more money from you if the tone that you set is welcoming to a to, 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 to a, yeah to a larger demographic of people, right? Um, he's the fucking Germans. Um, <laughs> but, there we go. And they're like, um, you are allowed to laugh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The wall's over, you can laugh now. Yeah, quite. Yeah, quite. <laughs> they just sit there smiling. And they say, oh, that was really good. They weren't fucking laughing. Um, but, but, you know, but, but this is one of these things where, like, you are, are definitely in a nascent scene, which I, I guess this scene technically still counts as being nascent because you, there's all these new, um, you know, part of your job as an MC is to educate the audience, right? They don't really know the rules of play. You know, they, they might have seen um, comedy from a, a TikTok clip and think their job is to participate as much as the uh -huh. act. You know, they, they might have seen um, more traditional styles of comedy where it's absolutely non-participatory. It's not a, you know, comedy, good stand-up is a call and response, right? You know, like a good act is focusing on the listening more than the talking, right? Absolutely, I'm, I'm totally on board with all that. Um, and your job as an MC is obviously to educate, but your primary duty is to give them a great night. Cool. Um, can I? I'm I'm rushing through this. Can I continue to to get to? Let let me continue to crowdwork technique, and then we'll take a break, right? Because um, we're gonna have far much we'll, we'll have far much more fun in the second workshop. So before you step on stage, learn the room you're playing. So you can't invite people into your space if you don't know it yourself. By that I mean you've got to kind of have control of the room. You've got to be a presence that is reassuring, right? So if you look awkward as you walk on stage because you got through the wrong door or you know the backstage doors stuck or the curtains don't open properly it's just a signal that like oh you know like uh, you know just like if you um if you welcome someone to your home like i don't know where i put the wine right it's like <laughs> fuck's sake right so just make it a really really invite inviting space and that often means if you're obviously if you're doing your own show that's easy but if you're a guest mc it means speaking to the producer or the promoter um and you are, as an MC, you are selling uh, a promise to the audience that it's going to be a great night. And it's easier to sell that promise when you kind of know the acts. So definitely speak to the acts in the green room. You kind of find out what the vibe is. Um, find out if there's anything they do or don't want you to say. That's what I normally just say as an MC. I say, is there anything you do or don't want me to say? Right? Because sometimes you can make a mistake. You know, you can say, uh, you know, from America via Berlin. And then you've um, tra trampled on their opener or something. So... So just, you know, make sure that. Um, I think these days it's, you know, it's, it's probably fair enough to, to, to practice saying people's names. I think it's like we're, we're beyond, beyond the days where a name is too foreign for anyone. I mean, we can, you know, we, we can learn it. Um, but there's no harm at all in like 
saying to someone who has a name that you're not familiar with, um, you know, to pronounce it or say it phonetically for you. I mean, in my experience, that someone with a name that is unusual to your culture would much rather you do that than, than you fuck it up, right? Yeah, um, so there's no shame in that. Um, and um, if uh, if you need to like have cue cards or prompt cards or something to remember people's names, that's absolutely fine. You know, like like I do think of like an MC's job as an administrator. So you know, if you do have a card with a bunch of stuff on to remind you, that's fine. If that's if that's what helps you become a good MC, do it. Right? Everything is in service of the night. So if you'd rather have the call sheet printed out and have and have on the the, the stool or the axe names written phonetically or a couple of things you definitely need to remember to say, if that's going to calm you down, do it. Right? Because your job is ultimately night administrator rather than uh, a genius improviser. So um, if there is like um, somebody's name that is extremely difficult and like because uh, we have like a pre open mic weeks kind of like signing up on the night um, and then is it like better to like just address that like listen yeah I'm, I hope I'm not going to butcher this. I don't think so. I, I, I firstly don't butcher it. I mean, the, the, you, you, you know, like it's, it's, it's not the most challenging thing you're ever going to do to pronounce a name. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of open mics people just use first names. I've seen that yeah. happen. Um, some people use uh, confirmed booking software that allows you to have an iPad on the stage with a phonetic, with a phonetic, phonetic, pronunciation. I can recommend that one. Um, yeah. But you know, I, I just think like. Why? Why suggest the audience that you're not that you don't care? Do you know what I mean? It's like like you're, you're look. When I say when I say on the on the notes that your job is to set expectations, right? I mean that to be like I mean that in its true sense, right? Just like you know, I talked about the the, the job of an MC to set the tone and brand of a comedy club, right? A brand doesn't necessarily mean that it's good. Right, like a brand, a trademark is just a proxy for a quality. That quality may be middle of the road. That quality may be bad, right? But the point is, it's about its consistency. Yeah. You always know that little bread is going to be little bread, right? You always know that Coca-Cola is going to be Coca-Cola. Do you know? And you always know that Freeway Cola or whatever your cheap brand is. Like, it, a brand doesn't necessarily mean a, a high standard. It just means a consistent standard, right? Mm. And so much about what we're doing. In, in marketing our shows is setting realistic expectations. If you say we've got four amazing, incredible visiting headline acts, they'd better be good, yeah. right? If you say we've got 15 of the best comedians in Amsterdam and it's some crappy open mic, then good luck, yeah. right? Because yeah. the audience don't mind that it's shit, right? I, I, I mean that for real. Like people are, cute, people are interested in going to an open mic and seeing people fail, right? Yeah. That is the product. Right, that they know that they're in the back room of a pub with a bunch of losers. Right, like that, like that's that is the product, and that's good. Right, so don't don't lie to them and say it's something that it's not. Right. Yeah, exactly, and and so that, but that's why as an MC, you know, if I, well, it's been a while since I've hosted an open mic, but I, you know, I, I would. I would try and like it, it's it's better for the acts. It's better for the acts if you say expectations, right? If you say this is an open mic, that means there is no quality control. It's a bit of potluck, right? Those kind of things help when an act comes on and absolutely fucking smashes it. Fantastic, right? It's, it's, you, we're jubilant. If you've told them they're about to smash it, it's less exciting. And then if an act doesn't do very well, and that happens, of course, because you know we're, we're learning the skill. Um, 
then it's not it's not as shocking. It's not a, it's not a, it's not a problem to deal with. It's yeah. something that, that 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 was expected. Um, so let's quickly run through these crowd work techniques, um, and uh, then we will take a very quick break. Um, so crowd work. This is crowd work as an MC. Remember, right? Not as an act. Don't chase laughs. Don't make jokes. Have a sincere chat. You have won if the audience are still interested in the show. That's it, right? And like I said at the beginning, if you try and make a joke, or if you deliver a line with the cadence of a joke that's not funny, good luck, right? Because you've just, you just created uh, a, a, um, a test for yourself that you failed, right? Ask what genuinely interests you, right? So if you don't care what people's jobs are, don't ask them about that. Ask what will interest them, right? Is anyone celebrating anything here today? If that matters to you and you're excited about someone's birthday, ask that question. <laughs> um, and generally speaking, and, look, and I, I'm saying this from, from experience, I was, was a very bad MC when I, be, when I begun because I was, you know, I, I, I let my insecurity um, present itself as a, as a form of hostility with the crowd, right? I, I, I created this kind of combative nature, which I've later capitalized quite well, quite well in my act. But as an MC, hopeless, right? Really, really bad thing to do. Um, and I can, I can totally see why your instinct, if you're, look, if you're optimizing to get laughs, your instincts might be to be mean, right? Because it's kind of easier to bully than it is to celebrate, right? But if your instincts are not to get laughs, then you're never having to worry about that. And hopefully what we're taking from this workshop is you can be a wonderful MC without getting a single laugh and you'll get booked again and you'll make loads of money and you'll make the club happy. And then you'll develop your joke writing skill set and you'll develop your confidence and your persona and laughs will just happen, right? People will be delighted to be in your company. Um, but certainly when you're doing crowd work as an MC, you are not making jokes, you're having a sincere chat, right? And that is, that is about anything, right? That is literally the, whatever genuinely interests you you know, let's say that you do, your day job is working in startups and business and you've got someone that's running their own company and you're really interested about that. The audience will be very glad to be a fly on the wall in this conversation, right? If you're asking really sincere questions about us, you know, you managed to get financing for that, that's great. If that really interests you, that's, that's exciting, right? It's exciting for the crowd to hear a, a genuine conversation between two um, equals than... Um, uh, <laughs> So I've just got a text from Top Secret asking if I can do their 3 p.m. show. Not today. Um, yes, I'll be right over. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I probably could make it. Um, I know. I probably could get on the train right now. Um, so, um, so um, no matter how badly the chat goes, right? And obviously, look, I'm, I'm optimizing people with, with, with a little bit less experience than some of you may have, right? But generally speaking, the chat will be fine if you're optimizing for just being interested and curious and interesting, right? It's unlikely it will fail. You might get someone that's a bit of a dick or that starts to, you know, um, tell you lies or whatever, and you, you might have to call that out, right? All that may happen, but only if really you've created an environment of hostility. You know, people, people only tend to be on the defensive when they feel that they need to. Um, and, and it's very interesting, you know, how human nature presents itself when people are part of a group. You know, we... we, we if we think about like why we laugh, right? Like, kind of the biological um, reason that, that, that humans laugh is when it is to communicate to a pack that danger's gone, 
right? Like the, the early laughs in animals is when like there was a shadow and everyone's like, oh God, we're about to get eaten. And it was like, oh no, it was just a shadow. Ha ha, it was just a shadow, right? Like that's, that's where the laugh comes from. This idea of like some tension has been created and it's gone and we're communicating that we're fine, right? So it's very, it's, you know, we, we do laugh differently in groups than when we're watching a Netflix special at home. And so that's why when we're more attuned to these kind of like primordial animal instincts, we do do the same as like dogs overreact about how scared they are, you know, <laughs> right? When even swings, and so same with humans, right? Um, so generally speaking, the chat won't go badly, but it can do, right? Or maybe you can try and tell a joke and it does misfire. Um, the point is you don't want to communicate to an audience that that's been some kind of failure, right? I might end up going in a, in a bit of a chat where I actually found out that, um, you know, you're, you're, she's recently bereaved or something. I'm like, oh, for fuck's sake, right? It's better to just be really honest and go, uh, well, you know, th this, this, this was bad for me as well, to be honest. You know, like, I, I was hoping to have a nice chat and I'm sorry to have brought this up, right? And then moving on, right? Rather than doubling down and going, what an absolute disaster that was. Um, and then always have something you can talk about. Right, you know, so remember I mentioned at the beginning you might want to, to have a couple of jokes that, um, that, that you start with to give your confidence. Once you get good at emceeing, you will want to keep, keep hold of those jokes. Because what, what I might do is I might have had a bit of a chaotic time as emceeing. You know, people might have been shouting out and whatever. And I might just want to ground them and calm them down by talking about the last time I took a train in the Netherlands. Right, a little one minute bit, a couple of different lines, just to, you know, to get them listening again. Right? So always have these short little bits. And often they're the bits that you first write as a comic, actually. You know, they're, 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 they'll, they'll serve you for a long time. Um, but just remember that it's absolutely fine as long as it still has that cadence of a dinner party. By the way, before we have the fish, I must just tell you. You know, it, it's that kind of energy rather than, right, so settle down, I've got a joke to do. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 Um, and... Uh, if an audience member says something funny, for goodness sake, laugh. I, hopefully you're all beyond this, but I see a lot of early MCs thinking that an audience member getting a laugh is somehow undermining them or threatening them. <laughs> or, you know, the whole point is we're here to celebrate and have fun together. An audience member says something funny, even if it's about you. You know, fine, enjoy it. You know, like, la laugh along with them. Um, Some audiences are smart alecky, they kind of... Yeah, yeah, and why not? You know, let them. You know, let them, right? Uh, often... Um, Stu Goldsmith, who has, who has the podcast, Comcob Pod, gave, 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 gave me some advice. He was like, often, he said, particularly when you're dealing with like stag do's, um, which are never as bad as people say, actually, in my experience. <laughs> oh, sorry. Um, <laughs> no, you know, I've, like, I, 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 I MC this, um, you know, former jungler's room in Bristol, right, in a nightclub, where it's all stags, and actually, generally, you know, they're, 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 they're less trouble than middle-aged hens, I'll tell you that. Um, <laughs> but, uh, a bloodbath. Um, I would not. But you, you know, sometimes it's like a guy who's the funny one in the group doesn't like the fact that he's not the one on stage, mm. right? And, you know, that's a, reasonable, that's a reasonable thing to feel, actually, right? We can't shame them for that feeling, right? If they do make a quip, Right? You've got a choice. You either go, shut up, you cunt, right? <laughs> which, is, which will get a laugh. Or you might go, good one, brilliant. Right? They both have this, you know, which one do you reckon is going to pay off during the night? It's obviously going to be, you know, he's got his laugh. He's got the approval of the funny guy. We're good. He's moved yeah. on. Right? What you don't want is for him to think, all right, challenge accepted. Of course. Of course. 
visible git right in the front comes from friends right in the fr in front of the mic and whenever the women comedians came on it stopped right we try to undermine them yeah and they were really doing their best hey what a fucker he was they were really doing their best <laughs> to you know joke with him but he was trying to undermine them yeah. when i came on never said a word why do you think that is because pain be that i was talking about Right. Well, but that was me. But all the other women really got a rough time. Didn't do it with the men, but they really got a rough time with him. But they, they still managed. He, he was saying he could get away with things. Yeah. But he was he was really working them, and I think the women did really well. But he, he was a lot. But I mean, d definitely. I mean, I would I would definitely think the MC has some responsibility for that, because you know I will in a particularly. In a particularly rowdy room, and also you mentioned at the very beginning, you know, you don't, you don't want to be funnier than the acts, right? Occasionally, you kind of hit pay dirt and you have, you know, two or three really, really funny bits, and you use some of the techniques we're going to talk about in the second session about, you know, closing loops with other loops that you've opened and, you know, multiple callbacks and that kind of thing. And, you know, occasionally it does kind of look like genius what you're doing, right? You, we all know that it's, it's tricks and it's just a skill set, right? Um, I, sometimes will let that happen and I will before I bring an act on allow them to simmer down and kind of restate the rules like we've had a lot of fun but we've got some absolutely incredible acts and I'm so looking forward to hearing their material so while they're on stage um you know we're going to make sure that we we don't have conversations and you know I will I don't feel it undermines the comedy at all or the quality of my emceeing to then be very very serious for a moment mm -hmm. and likewise we won't do it today but you know I, I I've I've Sometimes in the MC workshop, I do, I'll talk about the bucket speech, right? And if you're doing a free show, if, any, if you um, go to the fringe, um, it's very likely that you'll do a show which involves asking for money at the end of the show rather than at the beginning. And I think a big mistake that people make with their bucket speech is they make jokes. You know, they'll say things like, you know, the, the, um, you know please, please, please donate at the end of the show. But if you're like, oh, I don't have any cash, don't worry, because I've got a card reader, haha, -ha, tricked you. Mm. Awful, terrible. I mean, genuinely at atrocious, because... What you're suggesting is that you've tricked them somehow. Oh, you could have escaped without paying, but I've got this. Nonsense, no. The, 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 the tone that you, should be that you should be setting is they're delighted to be paying for a wonderful show that they've just seen, right? You're not scamming them on the way out. You're not tricking them. You should have set expectations at the beginning of the show. Yes, it's free to get in, but the expectation is that you, that you donate at the end. And you're priming them during your bucket speech with behavioral um, psychology anchors. You're asking them to pay. You're giving them a specific amount of money to pay. You know, you're, you're talking about the value rather than the cost. You're doing all these good things. And then to undermine it by saying, you know, I always say, suggest how much you think the show is actually worth, right? If the show is worth 15 euros, you say that. And then I, then I see people going, you know, this show is easily worth 200 euros. Well, it's not. So you've just, you've ju <laughs> so you've, you've ju you've just undermined your proposition. Therefore, they don't know what to believe. So, um, you know, d definitely something I'd like you to, 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 to jot down is this idea that you absolutely can be serious and solemn, right? And, 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 you know, and when I say, particularly, in, you know, like I'll do the, the late, late show, Top Secret on a Saturday. I'm not bringing the first act on till quarter to midnight. They are smashed, right? Um, that, I have to be absolutely brutal, right? You know, like uh, I, I will really, I will do the funny stuff and I'll go, right, listen, you guys are a nightmare, right? But we are going to have a great show, but we need to make sure that we follow the rules of this club. And the rules of this club are, if you want to have a conversation, it has to happen outside. 
If there's a conversation happening in here, it's going to bother everyone else who's paid for the show, right? And like, I just had to have the confidence that I'm speaking like a teacher, right? But it's way better than me going, um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Settle down or, or, or please, you know, please, please, please don't talk. So, and I just have to have the confidence that they like me enough that I can do that really serious stuff, right? You know, occasionally, look, I'm not saying don't make jokes. What I'm saying is only do it when you're absolutely confident it doesn't undermine your pitch, right? So, so what I might do is I might do a really, really, really long bit like that. And I might say, you know, particularly because we're an international club here, lots of people um, do enjoy the show in a second language, meaning that that little bit of whispering will bother them even more, right? I might say something like that. Uh, and I'll say, but I'm grateful for the people um, who are attempting to enjoy the show in a second language and maybe make a reference to an American. Ha, ha, ha. Right? Like, if you really, you know, I'm not saying don't do it. I'm just saying there's often no need and it can undermine the ask. Yes. Um, I think in the Netherlands, our issue is less rowdy crowds like in the UK. Oh, sure. <laughs> in fact, I kind of wish crowds were a little rowdier because that's... Energy. You can engineer that. That's energy. I mean, but, so here's actually more of my question. And I think this is more... I kind of have my own style. Curious your perspective, and maybe this will be helpful for everyone. We more encounter too polite audience, and sometimes you're feeling like you're yeah. pulling, like trying to pull information out of them. Yeah. And it's like, so how, like, what are some good tricks on when you have a particularly quiet audience? Okay, so. What do you do for a uh, living at work? Okay, so, so, well, so let's, let's, um, it's a great question. Um, and let's really examine this from first principles, right? So the purpose for your question is the crowd is not rowdy enough for me, right? There's not enough energy in the room. They're a bit quiet. They're a bit reserved. How can, I, how can I get more energy out of them? That's, that's, that's what you're asking, right? And so let's, it's a good question. I'm, 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 I'm being Socratic, not to be a dick, but to, 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 try, to try and get a, um, something we can take away from this. What would be the benefit to you of them being rowdier? Uh, the, they, because the problem in the Netherlands is that people will not laugh, yeah. but will give a good applause at the end and yeah. come to you and say, God, that was amazing. And you're like, yeah. you just didn't show it. Yeah. And because when you do sometimes ask questions as a as a performer, yeah, not as an MC now, yeah, as a performer, you just don't get people interacting. Yeah, you know, and that you know that. Uh, so pause. Why are you asking questions as a performer? To what end? Uh, oof, oh, it's been a while. Uh, it might be that I would like to know, like, hey, are there any couples in this room? Why? Because I'm just curious. If my I'm curious if my material makes sense, and if not, I'm going to pivot out of that and go somewhere else. And you can't make that judgment without asking the question. Uh, I potentially could. Make I think you can. Making questions, but it's also because MCs are so bad in this country. I'm just gonna say sometimes as a <laughs> as a performer, you need to find out. Oh, the audience okay. Is so okay, good. Because so, good, good, good. Trying yeah, to find out which material is gonna work. Good. Okay. Good. Yeah. So 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 uh, we're getting somewhere now. So yes, as an act, particularly as a as a headline act, you may have to re-MC the room. Yes. Right. So that that is that I believe right. But what you're dealing with is not. You, they're not being responsive to your questions. You are dealing with a with a room that hasn't been emceed. So my advice for you, if you're closing with 40 minutes in a room that hasn't been emceed, deal with that problem, not with they're not responsive to my questions about who, who's single or not. That that will flow from them being re-emceed properly. So I would start my set. So if I get the feeling that the room is not galvanised, I will just emcee. I will just start the set with emcee. And then when it comes to that bit where you need to ask them about the couple thing, that problem has been solved because they because they're, they're now a room that's been emceed. But let's go back to your initial point, which is they're quiet. So 
that's you as an act, and I and I get that's an issue, and and it's and it's you know it's a challenge when you're doing longer sets. A couple of things. One, I I've seen your act. I don't think I believe that your material is good enough that you don't need to get the, the kind of buy-in you think. So we, when we will talk about that, right? Sometimes you just don't need to, you know. You can sell your material whether they're invested or not. I hear no, I hear you, but but I, I, but it's such a it's such a good question, it's such a big question. We've really got to work out like we, we've got to work out what what we're actually you know what we're actually looking to achieve with a rowdy crowd, right? Like because I get it, but a rowdy crowd is a symptom, not a cause. I don't necessarily want a rowdy crowd, but I hear you. Okay, better. Good. Okay, so now we're getting somewhere, right? So we're not looking for them to necessarily be hard to deal with. We're looking for them to to play their role in the contract, right? That's what we're actually talking about. So now let's now let's ground that back in us as an MC. Why might that not have happened, right? So, um, firstly, you may not have set expectations correctly, right? Like it's absolutely fine to say to an audience that is non-educated this is a comedy night and we want you to have a great time and that means we want you to relax and if you find something funny we want you to respond and give love to the comedians right and it's absolutely fine and it works to straight up say to an audience that is not necessarily you know that hasn't played their part in that contract yet to be absolutely explicit about what your expectations are right and you should try it. You should try saying, I host a lot of different comedy nights. And I've got a feeling today that people might not be, um, you know, people not, might not be in the right mood. So let's try and get ourselves in the right mood, right? And that's absolutely fine. And, you know, and it's kind of a trick for life too, right? Sometimes just asking for exactly what you want works. And it's, and it's definitely true for MCing. Straight up saying to the audience, um, I have brought some fantastic comedians for you today, right? And they are so funny and I want you to laugh so loud, right? And these are acts which are, which are used to playing big theatres. There's only 70 of you today. Do you reckon we can laugh as loud as people, you know? And, and straight up suggesting, I want you to laugh very, very loud at these acts, can, like, can work. So, so I, th I think what you've done, you, you, you've opened up qu quite a few different problems here, right? For the audience that are, that are like not galvanised and you're closing or you're doing a longer set, you just need to re-MC the room. Then that problem is then solved further down the stream. If the problem is that they're just not laughing enough, even down to, I've seen MCs do this. I've even done it myself once or twice. Even down to like, you know, checking what they're wearing. If you're still wearing your coats, let's take our coats off and really settle in. Or, um, you know, if you want them to make some applause and they've got a glass in their hand, I want everyone just for the first act, if you've got your pint glasses, can you just put them down on the floor for me so we can have both hands through a nice big round of applause? right? All that stuff works, right? And, you know, people, people are far more, people are far more likely than you think to respond, right? Put your hand up who thinks people are, like, fairly compliant, generally, right? Yeah, the Netherlands? Like, the one thing in the Netherlands <laughs> is, like, all, right, all the Dutch is... Got him! <laughs> give me a noise and then... Yeah, listen, but look, I've, so another example of a market where this happens is Singapore, right? Like S Singapore too has a very, very interesting dynamic where you have the kind of the most platonic ideal comedy audience, which is the wealthy expat late 20s to late 30s, you know, like couples, right? They're like everything you need in a comedy audience. They've got a bit of disposable income. 
They're normally up for a laugh. They generally have like wide sensibilities, right? So you've got them, which makes up about 20% of the audience, and then 80% Singaporeans who are enjoying the show in a kind of second language. It's a bit of a tricky one. You know, they, they're, they're educated in English, but they might not be exposed to the, to the same level of um, comedy output. And I've seen um, MCs there do things like, you know, this is, this, is, this is live comedy, which means that we're probably going to be a bit ruder than we are in real life, right? So everyone, just quickly shout your favourite swear word to me. Don't worry, I won't look. Three, two, one. And then they do... So stuff like that, right? It seems... It seems almost childlike, but I think that's fine, right? If, you, if there's something that you need your audience to be, get you know, straight up ask for it. And if they're not responsive, um, then, you know, then, 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 you, then at least you've got the information as to like why that might not be the case, right? Um, I think it's a very good question. In terms of like generally ruffling feathers, um, sometimes this can also be just a style of... Oh, Sometimes it goes back to like very, very early stuff, like how they've been sat, what the lighting's like, all that obviously matters. Um, pre-show music, I put it on the notes, but like play pre-show music slightly louder than you feel is acceptable, particularly just for the, the last song before, you know, just because it raises people's chat, chitter-chatter volumes. Um, but I would definitely, I would definitely consider um, if you're faced with an audience which, which are not loose enough, not responsive enough, articulating plainly and clearly and giving a precise reason, right? These shows are always better when we're all a bit sillier, right? And I think you'd be, you'd be shocked how well that works. Um, I reckon we've all got a bit of energy. Let's just get through all of this. Let's just, let's just plow through and then we'll take a break. So, um, when it goes wrong. So, part of your job as an MC is to set expectations of a great night. Sometimes those expectations will not be met, right? Uh, don't be rude about an act that didn't do well, particularly in an open mic, because like that is the product, right? Like we're not expecting everyone to be good, so um, you definitely don't need to, be, need to be rude. But particularly in a in a in a, in a showcase show, um, don't ignore it. You know, like if, if someone really was crap and you go, "Wasn't that wonderful?" You've just created this big gap between what the audience between the audience's experience of the room and you, right? And one of the absolute worst things you can do as an MC, as we've talked about, is to not be present in the room, to not you know like you're at a dinner party and a picture falls down, uh, you know, a picture on the wall just falls on the floor and you just pretend that never happened. And everyone's like, isn't that, isn't the glass smashed? Like, eh. Right? <laughs> do you want me to say, just fucking address it. Even if you're like, that's annoying, right? That's annoying, but we've still got the duck to come. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's, that's all you need to say. Don't do it under the table, I can see it. <laughs> no. Um, Yeah. Sometimes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, or it wasn't as great as you you announced it to be. Yeah. But what do you say? Because you don't want to uh, make it worse, or you want to well, be in uh, it. It will definitely depend on on why it was bad, right? So 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 let's say they they just talked about something which was just too divisive and they didn't have the skill set to do that. So do you get into no, fuck no. Uh, no, you, you go, they spent a bit too long talking about Gaza, but, right? Yeah, go on. My view is that is hilarious. 
I'd love to sell that. All these Palestinians making a fuss. What great, what a great way of um, <laughs> just, just, just Hamas causing bother. Um, there's a face. I think it's really funny. Um, but I know what you mean. Look, I think in an open mic, it's a lot easier. In an open mic, you just go, this is the luck of the draw. Right, you know, this is a this is a big lucky dip, and we've reached in and, and you know and, and and pulled out a turd. That that is like it is kind of fine to do that, right? Um, thinking about emceeing pro shows, um, you just want to move on as quickly as possible while acknowledging what's happened, right? The trick is not to talk about it or dwell in that space. The trick is to go, yeah, I'm aware. We move, right? And maintaining the dream that like and often. I will say to an MC, and this, this, this doesn't come from ego, it comes from wanting the night to be good. I will say to an MC, if I sense that the openers are a bit dodge, right, or they've slightly misfired, I'll get the, and I'm closing a show, right, I'll get the MC to say before the break, stick around because your headline is fantastic, you know, name a credit or, 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 or what they think of me. Because um, you want the audience to come back into the second half with a bit of a, a, bit of a reset and a refresh. So I'll definitely, um, you know, I'm always glad when MCs, um, you know, maybe don't mention it straight after the acts that they weren't brilliant or they weren't as pro as you were expecting for the ticket, but remind them, hey, look, they're just the openers. They're just to get us warmed up. The show's about to start. And I've had it where the start of the show's been so bad that I've kind of come on with the energy of, show's starting now. You know what I mean? <laughs> right, here we go. And um, you feel a bit of a kind of a professional bully to do that. It, you know, it's not, it's not a nice attitude to go on with. Like, okay, we're, we're ready for the comedy night kind of attitude. But that's what, if an MC hasn't done that for me, I have to do that myself, right? But the job of an MC is, is to... Um, Well, uh, but the don't want to it. How do you strike that well, 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 good question. But I, I'm of the view, and this is, you know, this is this is my opinion. I don't think there is a best practice. But I'm of the view that if you've booked an act for a pro show and they've done badly, just like if you if you book if you employ someone to do any job and they do badly, right? You don't molly coddle a performance review. You know, you just say your output's not good enough. You fucked up the figures or whatever, right? It's bet it's better. It's absolutely better for that act for you to be clear with them that they hadn't met your expectations. And hopefully they'll know, often they don't, but hopefully they'll know. But your duty is to that show. You're, you know, so, so while it is a bit eggy, even saying something lightweight, well, well, lightweight like, the reason we book three acts is because not every act's gonna be for everyone. Even something like that is enough to address that that was a stinker you kind of say face with that act. They'll know it's about them, right? Yeah, yeah. Or we've got two more acts to come, so there's something for everyone or something like Ex exactly, that. Exactly, right? Okay. Um, or, or I will always, where possible, one of my kind of heuristics is look for the positive, right? So, so if I'm dealing with something, I will always say I'm glad or I'm delighted by it or isn't it good, right? So if someone's causing bother, if something bad's happening in the room, I'll try and make a positive spin, right? Right? So someone's yabbering on, right? I, I admire this man's confidence that he could blah, blah, blah. Right? So, so it's just a, it's a funny comic device that I use to make something positive. And I will do the same when I'm emceeing. If I have emceed and someone's not ideal, I will go, 
this is the wonderful thing about live comedy. You genuinely never know what you're going to get, right? And, and, and sometimes I'll go further, right? I've always wondered what watching a mental breakdown looks like, <laughs> right? So, um, like the other night we had somebody that went into like, super dark jokes, but um, only the latter part of his bit. Um, and then when I got back on stage, I was like, that was a bit dark, but then I focused, like, then I, I brought the attention back to his first part of the bit. Like addressed it, okay, went a bit south, but the first part was quite good, right? yeah. and then went on from there. Perfect. Because what you're doing is you are like describing the experience of the audience, yeah. right? Like if what you said is resonates with what the with what the audience felt, which is we liked him to begin with, right? Then yeah. then you've you've done the right thing as an MC, right? You've like grounded your response in in, in truth. Very good. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't. laid such a fucking turd on stage that the audience just was done. And I just was like, I, I just tried to go to my material. And I was like, fuck, I have to address this. They're not going to come with me. And the MC didn't address it. And you I were said, closing the show. Yeah, and I was like, don't worry, guys. You know the women's here to clean up. So we're going to, I know that was all. That's awesome. funny. No, but that's good. <laughs> that is right. I'm here. I got a mop. It's good. We're going to move on. And then they relaxed into the set. Oh, but okay. I was like, I hate, like, I hate, like, even though I really dislike No, but do you know what? I, hearing that, while it, obviously, like, it can't have been pleasant, I kind of respect the MC for not trying to deal with it themselves. Because if you're, like, let's, let's say that happens, right? You've got open spot, then headliner, right? My experience as the person that's watching the open spot have a stinker is just get me on, right? I, I've, I've got the, you knew that you've got the skills to deal with it. Yeah. I know I've got the skills to deal with it. And I'd much rather... This is quite technical, but I would much rather deal with it while the stink is still fresh in the audience's mind than have a MC, an MC half address it and then we kind of have to remind them something that has now happened 15 minutes ago. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So if you are going to address it as an MC, conclusively deal with it and move the fuck on. Yeah. If you don't think that's going to happen, bring an act that can deal with it on, right? And if you've booked a headliner, presumably they've got the skill set that they can deal with it and they would be much more glad that they are brought almost immediately on, right, and can clear up the aftermath rather than, like, the odd bits of dust that's still settled. Does that make sense? Good. Okay. We've rattled through this. This is great. Um, we've, we've, done, we've done just about an hour and a half. Um, to... We'll take a break, then... Unless you want to just quickly plow on the last bit. Let's do it. We've, we've got energy. Fine. So, when things go wrong, we, we've talked about... Um, so, yes, yeah, so we, we've talked about um, acts going wrong. Hecklers, two, two types of hecklers, hostile and non-hostile. Generally, they're non-hostile, right? It's very, very rare they're actually hostile. If they're hostile, that's very easy. You continue to be normal, non-funny MC, and you say that's completely out of order, yeah. right? You know, you, there's no, absolutely nothing wrong at all because, remember, we've set up the night with us being a normal, neutral, safe pair of hands that's not looking to crack jokes at every opportunity. So it'll be totally natural for me to say, um, if you carry on talking like that, it's going to continue to bother other people and you will need to stop, you know, to stop talking. And that doesn't come as a shock, right? right? It's like, what happened to this nice funny guy? No, yeah, it was, yeah. it was, that, that was very consistent. So that's easily dealt with. This all stems from the expectations we set at the beginning of the show, right? So um, dealing with non-hostile hecklers, actually trickier, I'd say. 
right? The, host, the hostile heckler is very, very easy to deal with, right? You call them out for being cunts. Um, or I actually, I mean, one, one trick which I do use a lot is to generate the space that the audience kind of turns on them. You know, and, uh, silence yeah. is so powerful in this regard. You're just, just, just kind of waiting and just, you know, letting a vacuum exist before someone else shouts, shut up. You know, you, you, you can't beat that. Um, but um, people, that think they're people that think they're helping, play, play the game. Play the game for a little bit. There's no harm. There really is no, you're still going to be in control, right? But, you know, let, let that happen. Let them, let them think they're being, you know. And if they start to be a bit cuntish, the audience will smell it and then you go back to the same tricks of giving them enough rope to hang themselves, right? But don't, don't treat a non-hostile heckler as a hostile heckler because you will make things worse. And... Um, Yeah. Well, it depends. I guess it depends why they're walking out. If they're kind of voting with their feet, then it's probably worth thinking about. Um, but no, if they go to the toilet, I'd, I'd much rather they ignore it. If I'm doing my act, so I, look, this is again like um, the MC workshop, I try and be like broad principles for you to just think about your practice, right? If I'm doing my act and someone walks out, my onstage persona is to be totally and utterly furious, right? Like this person's voting with their feet, how dare they, right? So I will, um, I will create some, I will create a dynamic, I will play, you know in clowning they call it le jeu, right? You know, I, will, I will create a game with them, right? That this person's leaving for some reason, right? And I'll invent the reason, right? They, they're so sexually aroused they've got to enjoy the rest of this from a toilet cubicle or they've, you know, what, like whatever it is, right? As an MC, um, just like at a dinner party, you know, you don't want to shame people for just going to the toilet, right? If they're, if they're, bothering, if they're bothering people then, then that's, a, that's a different thing. Um, and then uh, wrapping up the night, never do more material after the headline. I think that's obvious. Um, oh, this is a, a very good um, point, by the way. I, I've noticed in this country, a lot of people are doing like plugs for, other sh for their other shows and social media. And they're just fucking bombarding people with information. Um, think about anyone that works in like uh, digital marketing or anything like that will know about the funnel, right? And will know about like how ultimately if you're on a website and you send someone to a landing page, you can only really have one call to action. Right, like a like a, a bad a bad performing website is click here to do this, click here to do that, add your email for this, right? Because then people are paralyzed by choice, they don't do any of it. Whereas if you're on a website which is like it all leads to and add your email address here to get your free ebook, that has a very high conversion. Right? So think about the same at the end of a night. You've only really got one ask. Right? And if that's follow my Instagram, that's follow your Instagram. If that's make sure to pick up a token on the way out for a raffle, that's that. But think of your one big ask and optimize for that. Any asking for anything more than two or three things, it's game over. And generally, doing that after the headliner is a high risk move anyway, because people, once the final act is finished, are already thinking about where their car is parked and whether they're gonna meet their train and whether, you know, whether the kebab shop's still open. So all of that stuff, do the prep before the headliner. So generally speaking, if you want to ask the audience to do something, if you've got an ask, do it before the break, do it before the final act, and then all you're doing once you've finished with the final act is reminding them of that one ask. Yes? So, the, like the other night, I had a show on the Wednesday, and like I'm in Eind Oakland, I'm trying to get like more comedy and people just getting to comedy. So then there's like four other shows that week. So Thursday, Friday, Saturday, yeah. and I do want to give them like a little plug. Yeah. How, how do I do that? You, you, do, that, you do that before the break? Or before the headliner. Just don't do it after the show because people's their, their, their attention's elsewhere by that point. Um, or you 
have one specific call to action. You give them a flyer on the way out. Okay. You can say, I have other shows. If you're interested, grab one of my discount coupons on the way out. And you have a flyer which lists all your shows and a, you know, whatever it is, a free okay. shot or a buy one, get one free one. Where they can see all the shots. Yeah, yeah, but one thing, one thing, one thing, right? Uh, and you'll find that your conversion for that thing goes up, right? Like this is one of these weird non-zero sum things that if you ask for two things, you'll get 25 of each. If you ask for one thing, you get more than 50. Good. Yes. Oh, 100 100%. 100%. 100%. 100%. 100%. And people are looking for something to do during the break. Um, and then as you're um, thinking of your role, going back to the very beginning of, of what we talked about, the host setting the tone, the brand, that continues after the show's ended, particularly as an MC. I mean, I think as an act, um, if, you're, if you're pro or semi-pro, you, you kind of got to be on you know you, you can't um you, know, you can't, can't switch switch off the moment you're off stage uh but definitely as an mc you know your your job continues once the show's done yeah. um with, and if you're having a drink with an audience i think you're still kind of in character um good well i'm pleased we rattled through that in 90 minutes that's very impressive that's very good you've all no, don't please um <laughs> so what we're going to do Take time to, ref I've just dumped a whole bunch of information on you, right? There's no expectation you're gonna remember this. What we're hoping from this is that this has triggered two or three moments of like, oh, I remember doing that, or I've seen that happen, right? Now is the time while it's fresh in your mind to write this down. So with your notepads, before we take the break, I want you to just, these notes might help you to remind you of stuff that we talked about, but just jot down a couple of like, moments where you've gone, oh, I could have dealt with that differently, or that's a good thing to remember going, going on next time, or that's a mantra I should remind myself of. Give yourself a little bit of time just to, to jot that down while it's fresh. Um, and what we're gonna do is uh, do a very quick exercise with them and then we'll take a break. So I had a question earlier. Um, so the other night, uh, like I, I had like a themed comedy night and it was corporate event and short red suit yeah right and then like i thought it was really good but the comedians roasted me yeah so i was mc go on ne next comedian comes on and the one is like he, lo he looks like my period <laughs> yeah so I, I thought that was quite good yeah that that's good like yeah 100 percent courage to like guys if you want to roast me, oh 100 percent i think one of the be like look the audience right when they're coming for a night of comedy, they like the idea that you that we're all chums with each other, right? Yeah. You know, they 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 all, all we ever want to feel is the sense of community and inclusion, right? So you guys genuinely having fun in a non-mean spirited way serves the night, yeah. right? One hundred percent. What it shouldn't ever be is kind of contrived. Yeah. You know, it's it's it's, it's got to be for real. You have got to be actually friends with them. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, continue to take a moment to jot this stuff down. Then we'll take, this will be a shorter break, I think. We'll just do reset, toilet, 15 minutes for reflections. We'll come back, we'll do questions, we'll do a quick exercise, then we will do the first part of the creativity workshop.